Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. No music, no intro. Another episode of Hashtag Sings Twitter Podcast. This, this is an episode that I've been really excited to do. Um, if you listen to the show, uh, you know that Ryan and I have been trying to get someone on and not have a football-related podcast. We've had episodes in the past a bit um, with the whole social injustice thing with Patrick in the past talking about racial issues, but we wanted something even even more different that isn't football-related. And so I'm very thrilled to introduce Steve Harper. Uh, I, I just was just doing a little bit of research on, you know, IMDB, and I don't even want to miss anything in terms of your accolades. Um, <laughs> oh I, I, I make it sound so daunting. <laughs> no, I mean, I just started going through them, and I was like, oh, wow, that is so impressive. Um, but Steve is, you know, he's a, he was a producer recently on the uh, CBS show, God Friended Me. He works in, in Hollywood. He's a, he's a playwright. He's a writer. He's a producer. Um, we, so we're excited to have him on and just talk about something that isn't Saints football related. So obviously if you're, if, you know, if you don't want to listen to it, you don't have to listen to it, but I do in, implore you to be open-minded. And I think we're going to, I, I'm excited about the conversation that, that we're going to have. So thanks, thanks for joining us, Steve. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here. And, and I think I'm, you know, I'm the perfect, uh, guest for you to have to not talk about football because I know very little about it. <laughs> but good for you. <laughs> I really go, we can't really go in that direction, at least too far anyway. Um, yeah. So we'll just, we'll start starting off with just, you know, your, I guess your origin story for the lack of, lack of a better word. Um, you know, saw that you were, you were born in, in New York, was raised in Long Island. Um, but what, what got you interested in, you know, what you currently do and work, working in entertainment, like what, 
what was what led to you go, going out and reaching out and getting you know reaching your passion yeah um i you know i think i always was interested in the idea of uh i, I grew up in a tv household so we used to watch television all the time and there was such a you know such a connection to uh to the shows we were watching and the, and the way we would you know i don't know that this lasted all the way through high school but i was i was born in brooklyn and and in at least when we lived in brooklyn we would watch tv as a family on saturday nights you know and we would watch like the same the same sets of shows and have conversations about them and there was a way in which you know tv really brought us together it just sort of seemed like you know just sort of seemed like a way to to congregate and connect and um share sort of experiences and and i think to this day i really feel like it's one of the reasons why television you know, I love working in TV. I also love watching TV because there's something about the community that gets created uh, in and around that and sort of those long-term kind of relationships with a character on a particular show that you don't get in other, you know, in, in film or even theater where it's really about sort of burning down one story and getting to the end. So I feel like I've always been drawn to the notion of being in, you know, in relationship with characters for like long-term storytelling stuff. Uh, and at first in my life, I, 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 you know, my first foray into the industry was as an actor, um, which, you know, I did for decades and still, still do some when I get the opportunity, you know, and, and I really, uh, it just really drew me. It was a really kind of cool way to, you know, both make believe and connect and reach people, uh, yeah, that's really, that's really sort of the origin of it, I think, in a way. I, I really wanted to ask you, it, this really might sound like a dumb question uh, from someone who... There are no dumb you know, questions. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I love, you know, I love theater. I love movies. You know, me, both me and Adam, we just huge movie heads. Love pop culture. I just, you know, I love consuming those things. Yeah. Uh, but I've always wondered, uh, what like what exactly is a producer? Like what does a producer do? Is is there a set thing that a producer does, or is it just one of those kind of things where it, it could be anything, uh, you know, anything that you that you're doing, but you it's pretty an important position uh, in in yeah. TV and film. Well, I think it definitely is an important position. It kind of depends on who you ask and what kind of producer they are, because I think in 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 movies, more often than not, and also in theater, uh, producers are people who, uh, they're basically people who sort of help bring the elements together. So quite often in movies and in theater, um, like Broadway kind of stuff, producers are really money people. Um, yeah. They're people who are funding the production, who are, who are raising the money for the production, who are dealing with the books. You know, the, in, in movies, there's something called the line producer who literally is, you know, that's the person who's got the budget and is looking at the lines of the budget being like, mm. you know, how do I fill this position? And how do I fill this position? And how do I make sure these people like, you know, we don't go over budget or over salary on this thing or that thing or special effects or whatever, and is really kind of holding the financial space. Uh, so that's sort of one version of a producer. Um, but in the world of television, it's actually, uh, it's interesting because TV, the, the word producer has so many meanings. As a writer, I mean, I'm a television writer, and so in the space of writing, 
and, and people outside the industry don't know this, but people in the industry do, uh, you know, basically the, the job of a TV writer, which we can get into, is, is a really fascinating thing. But all of the jobs, like everybody, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm currently, uh, my title is supervising producer on a show called Stargirl, which is on the CW, which is a really, really fun show that you can find the first season of on CWTV.com. And, you know, it's a, Stargirl is a, a DC superhero and, uh, and the guy who created the show, a man named Jeff Johns, who's pretty brilliant and has done a ton in, in the DC comics world and the Marvel comics world. He's written a ton of stuff. He created Stargirl and Stargirl is, is based on his sister who died in a plane crash. And so there's, you know, which is horrible. But what that means for us is that he's got this very sort of open hearted um, sort of generosity of spirit about what he wants to do with this show. So, I mean, that's sort of a, sort of another conversation, but, but essentially, um, you know, he's created this show that is a, it's a family show. It's a show that works both for teenagers because Stargirl and a lot of her compatriots are in high school, but it also, you know, uh, she's got this uh, stepfather, uh, played by Luke Wilson and a mom played by Amy Smart. And so it works on both levels of, you know, it's, it's really cool. It's, it's very fun. And I was watching it even before I got on the show. So you should check it out and your, your, your listeners should check it out as well. But in the writer's room, in the writer's room, just to get to the producer part, everybody, I think there are nine or 10 of us, and we're all essentially doing the same job, which is, you know, Jeff comes up with an idea and we flesh out the idea. And we, we're, we're in the writer's room. Our writer's room is virtual now because it's, you know, because of COVID times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we kick around ideas about what the scenes might be, what the moments might be, you know, who the new characters are and what the, you know, what the dramatic changes are in, you know, over the course of the season, over the course of the episode. And so we're all doing that. And yet at the same time, the Writers Guild and the industry have, you know, they've created these steps, this sort of hierarchy of how writers are, uh, you know, labeled like what the you know what the technical term is for somebody who's a beginning writer in the room and then the next level and the next level and those titles are uh you know they're all titles for people who do the same thing but just at a at a a higher level of seniority and so that goes uh staff writer which is the only oddly enough the only um title that has the word writer in it uh is the entry level so it goes staff writer Next level is story editor. Next level is executive story editor, then co-producer, then producer, then supervising producer, then like something called like consulting producer, then co-executive producer, and then executive producer. And all of those people can be writers on any given show. Um, But there are certain people, you know, like people who handle the money, for example, who might also have the title producer. Uh, So you kind of have to know, I mean, when you watch TV at the very beginning, one of the most, one of the interesting things, you know, you guys can do now is next time you're watching TV, you know, you see all those people who are listed at the beginning, you know, 90% of them are writers, all those people who are listed like as the the show's coming on. And then some of them might do money stuff and, you know, so it's a little confusing, but 
uh, I think the higher up in the food chain you go, the more responsibility you have in terms of the more you're expected to bring story ideas. And, you know, and then on certain shows, you, what we call produce your episode, which means you're on set with the actors and the director and, you know, the technicians and the stagehands and all that stuff. And you help, uh, you know, you're there to, as a resource about what we were thinking in the writer's room when we came up with the scene. So, you know, you can give the director some feedback or, you know, the director may give some actors feedback based on what you have to say. And you're there sort of in some level kind of quality control, I guess. That's a, thanks so much for that breakdown. <laughs> Um, no, and, and I, I say that with no no hyperbole, like it, 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 it really, truly, like I knew about some of it, but you like the, how you just worded it and let it, you know, just explain it thoroughly, like it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so the, the functions that you've had working in the industry, writing, producing, acting, I know you've done, you know, directing a little bit as well. What's which one do you gravitate towards the most in terms of which one do you love the most in terms of mm. that function wow. and, like, and why? Wow. Well, um, yeah, it's tough. I feel like in my heart, I will always be an actor. And, and, and there's, something, there's something really amazing about like being, like physically embodying the instrument to tell a story you know, like that actually, I mean, I, I'm, you know, to, 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 to sort of like touch on the area that you guys normally are on, you know, like in the space of sports, like it's like you are that, whoever that player is, is the instrument for the way the game gets played. So there's something really magical about that as an actor to kind of literally step into the interpretation of a role, of a character, of an emotional space, of a situation like there's there's nothing like that. At the same time, what I feel like I've discovered for me is that, uh, first of all, in all of the arts, and and I think perhaps acting especially, you know, there's the joke like you can make a killing, but you can't make a living, you know. <laughs> and there there is that space where, you know, especially as a black actor, I think, or any actor of color, at least so far in the industry there are so many needles, so many threads, so many needles you have to thread in order to get to be the person, to get to be like the, that black guy who gets that part on that show to do that thing, you know? And, and I think, you know, I make up that for, for white people, at least, you know, so far and in the industry, you know, with so much of the industry kind of like in the gaze of whiteness, like it's, it's, it's not an easy job for anybody because it's a challenging space, but there are, there are generally more white people roles, you know? Yeah. So I feel like in that space of you can make a killing, but you can't make a living. One of the things that I found, and of course, you know, the statistics about getting into the Writers Guild are, you know, it's also really hard to get in the Writers Guild and be a TV writer. But as a TV writer, by and large, what I look like and how old I am and whether I'm male or female doesn't matter as much as you know, as it does being an actor. So I do feel like there's something really amazing for me about the writing space, about creating characters and worlds, both as a playwright and as a TV writer. And, and there's also something about, you know, the notion of, I don't know, the, the idea at least of 
you know, on some level playing God. I mean, that sounds a little weird, but you know, you yeah. sort of get to decide <laughs> what the landscape of the creative space looks like. And as an actor, you really just sort of have to follow the map that you've been given. Uh, and the same for a director or any other interpretive art. But I feel like, to me, I think that's why I would, I would put the writing on top, just because you get, to, you get to create it and figure out what you want. And then that's really, that's really fun. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you kind of brought it up. Yeah. You, what, what has been your experience, you know, as a black male in that entertainment, uh, in, in that entertainment space? Space, you know, I mean, we've seen Hollywood sort of change over the years and try to, you know, uh, try to adopt more of a uh, quote-unquote woke, a woke, you know, viewpoint. But you know, there, there's still it's a lot of hurdles for actors producers, writers, directors, you name it. Uh, so what, you know, how has your experience been? Has it been positive or is it just one of those struggles that you just, you know, you understand that you just have to deal with and fight through every day? Yeah, I mean, I think like anything, you know, it's probably the, you know, the second one. And, it, yeah. you know, it sort of depends on the day. It depends on who you're dealing with and what what the show is and what the job is, both as an actor and, a, and as a writer. Um, you know, there is, you know, as I said, like we live in a country where, you know, white people are centered, you know, they're sort of like mm. the central, the central state, yeah. central focus of so many things. And, you know, television and film and theater and like is no exception. I'm actually having the experience now. It's been really interesting that I, I have a new, um, I've been working with an assistant the past couple of years, which is sort of really kind of amazing to have somebody helping me do stuff. And, you know, um, and, and my assistant is helping me identify places to send my plays. And, uh, you know, so I'm sort of doing that in addition to my job on Stargirl is sort of like finding places to send plays and sending plays out and advertising plays and you know and I have a friend a good friend who sends out a monthly newsletter with playwriting opportunities and I've had the experience just this week of looking at a lot of these playwriting opportunities and you know and they're asking for whatever 10 minute plays or or longer full-length plays and they're specifically now you know everybody's trying to you know trying to be more woke and trying to invite you know playwrights of color or whatever and I go to the websites of some of these theaters and, you know, the, the acting company is all white and the administrators are all white. And, you know, the shows they've done are like, you know, a lot of shows from white playwrights with, that don't have, that don't center people of color. You know, it becomes this whole sort of all encompassing thing about, well, you know, where's the space? Where do we make the space? Do we create our own spaces? You know, do I just want to send my material to black theater companies? Do I want to, what is the, you know, so I think it is really pervasive, whether I'm talking about theater stuff, you know, I've, I've had conversations with my current boss about, about Stargirl, which I think, you know, on some level has, uh, has a bunch of diverse characters. And at the same time, I think we can do better. And we've talked about that, you know, uh, and so all of those things are all in play. And then to be, you know, quite often, I've had the experience of being the only black person in a writer's room um, and, you know, and navigating that. Like, what does that, what does that mean? What does it look like? 
What does it feel like? Is the showrunner interested in hearing from me about, you know, issues of culture or issues of cultural specificity? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, and it is, I think it is a constant, it's a constant conversation. Uh, and I also think though, you know, we're all, I think any person of color, we're all managing on some level that space, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, constantly so it's not it's not any different like you know we were raised i was raised to understand the white lens more than white people were raised to understand the, the lens of people of color so on some level it's new on some level it's not new um i'm, I'm glad we're you know i'm glad that we're kind of i mean this is an open space we don't really hide anything when we talk on this podcast and that's something that ryan if i have try to, especially with everything going on in the world and police brutality and, and just black men being killed and just the recurring, yeah. just the world that's, that we're living in right now. There's been episodes where we, we've been very real and honest in regards to everything that's going on in the world. And for people who don't want to listen to it, then basically just not listen to the podcast. So since we're on, the, we're on this topic, something that I did want to get your thoughts on is that the whole, and I didn't read super super a lot about it but I just kind of briefly saw that like Christy Alley went on this like tangent that the academy is basically putting in inclusion inclusion standards in terms of you know the the films of terms of they're going to be criteria to you know be nominated for for an academy award and me and Ryan kind of had this conversation offline yesterday and thinking is like, what do you feel about that? Like, is that the is that the, the answer and then and the response to get more diversity, whether it be actors, writers, directors, what have you, to be the for them to get recognition? Uh, I'm just like, or, or is that kind of going too far? And is that, you know, I, I'm just interested to just know what your thoughts about that. Yeah, no, I certainly don't think, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going too far. Now, I have to admit that I, you know, I've seen the headlines and I haven't read a lot about it. So, you know, really I'm talking about my understanding of it. Uh, and I, and I think that it's really, you know, obviously it's important to, to research stuff. So I encourage anybody listening and, you know, to, and you guys and, and, and certainly I will do some more research but what I've understood is from what what I've gleaned from you know reading a little bit is that is that these are these are rules that are being applied to specifically best picture if I'm not mistaken gotcha no you know so to so to me that seems like oh that sounds like a reasonable idea that if you're talking about the best picture an American film that certain standards ought to be you know, observed if you can in a movie that that seems like a reasonable thing to me. Now, I don't exactly know what they are. I've also seen headlines that say that that these uh, that these rules are not as not so hard to, you know, to, oh, okay. to, to follow and that a lot oh. of films are already sort of doing some version of that. Uh, so I don't really I don't really know. I can't really judge. But I do think, look, I think that the bottom line is I believe that I believe that things need to change and that people people organizations companies producers writers you know the whole machine 
you know, the whole corporate machine of, of television and film, you know, ought to be looking at new ways to thread the needle in terms of how we create, you know, work. So that, so that, so that the work for me, it's about the work looking more like America. You know, when you, when you talk about, you know, the, the um, I believe the statistic is in terms of the Writers Guild that, you know, uh, some very small percentage, I wanna say six, I'm not sure if that's entirely true. Some very small percentage of the Writers Guild is, you know, is, is black people. You know, and so I think we really have to look at what it means to the consequences of excluding people, you know, however it is, whether it's institutional or job related or whatever, but the consequences of that I think are, are huge in terms of the kinds of things that we make uh, and the kinds of things that are available to be seen. And I often say, I've said this before, like I, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I'm sitting down to watch TV, I think, do I want to watch a white show or do I want to yeah. watch a black show? Like, what do I want to do? <laughs> do I need to see people of color in this moment? Or is it okay to go over and watch a bunch of friends and just know that I'm yeah. not going to see my, like, you know, that's, there's a real, it, it's real, you know, it's yeah. real, it's real for jobs. It's real for perception. It's real for understanding. It's real for, it's real on so many levels. And, you know, it's, that's funny you talk about that. I, I, I'm curious, uh, have you seen the show uh, Lovecraft Country? Uh, I have seen it. I saw the pilot of it, yes. Okay. And I, I, I just have, I've been having this thought about it. I've been watching it. And, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting show. I, I, can't, <laughs> I don't know if I love it yet or not, but it's just, you know, I watch it every week. So, obviously, that's enough. Uh, but I just have this feeling, like, just as a viewer, like, you know, when they when they create some of these shows and they integrate, you know, the, the horrific experiences of, you know, black trauma that, you know, that we and our ancestors have experienced, you know, just over the hundreds of years, you know, in, in America. And they integrate that into the, into these shows. And, and I understand why, like, these are stories that should be told, you know, and right. but just me as a black man, sometimes, sometimes I just, I don't want to, I don't want to see it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, sometimes I just kind of need a break for, from it because I live in that reality. Yep. And I know, I know the history. I know, you know, and I, and I know my experiences every day, you know, as a black man growing up in the dirty, in the deep South, I, you know, I know, I know what goes on. Yeah. So like sometimes when I put on a movie or a TV show, I just kind of want to escape reality and just like, you know, just see something different and just take my mind somewhere. And then I watch a show like Lovecraft Country, which is very interesting and detailed and, you know, very creative, but it's like, you got to throw it in my face that, you know, <laughs> you know white, white people would do the monkey, you know, act like a monkey behind us when, while we're eating a banana or the big right. Auntie Mama, the big Auntie Mama uh, billboard and just those little things. And it's just like, I just come away conflicted. Like, do I really feel like watching this? Because it's, it's you know, it's taxing emotionally for me and it might not be for everybody, but you know, just for me. And I, I was just wondering what you think about that. Just when you review films, review TV shows, when you write, is that something you think about? Or do you feel like, hey, this is, these are stories that need to be told whether you like it or not. And it's a story I want to, want to tell and that's well, it. Well, I don't know. I mean, in, in a way you sort of make it sound like, you know, like it's like eat your vegetables, you know, like it's, it's gotta yeah. be done, you know. And I don't know that I, I don't know that I believe in that. I do think, look, to me, it's, 
I don't know. It's, I feel like it's a matter of the freedom to create, you know, I think in a way what ends up happening, if you, if you, if you create, if only certain people are allowed to create, then you get only certain kinds of creations, you know, and I think there is a way in which for a long time, and perhaps it's changing now, you know, your mileage may vary, like, um, entertainment in America felt like one flavor of ice cream. Mm. You know? And it was like, it's not a bad flavor. It's really good. And you can put some sprinkles on it and you can put a little chocolate sauce or whatever. Right. But, but now we're getting all these different flavors. And to me, that's, that's a, there's so much benefit to the different flavors. Yeah. Right. Because, and I think what's fascinating too about us, you know, as a people is, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't, I, I don't know. I haven't heard other people, other people of color uh, and other sort of, you know, minority and marginalized groups complaining that there are too many of their stories. You know what I mean? So I mm. often my radar goes up when people are like, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to hear any more about, you know, X or Y. I don't want to hear any more about slavery. I don't want to hear any more. Yeah, about yeah. It. It's like, yeah. well, wait a minute. How, we don't say like, I don't want to hear any more about Japanese internment or not another Holocaust story. We're kind of like, you know, it's just part of the fabric of what's out there. Right. right. The fabric becomes more interesting if people tell stories that they connect to, whatever that looks like. Hmm, that's a good point. It is, it is. I, I, I see both sides of it, because as an example, like I will never ever watch Fruitville Station. Like it's, it's just a movie, like yeah. I'm sure Great Michael movie. B, I'm, I'm sure Michael B. Jordan is fantastic in it, yeah, but <laughs> like, to, like to Ryan's point, like it's, I, I get it from both sides. I, I really do. I do. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I'm not there. I'm not here to say that everything is for everybody. Like I, I happen to, you know, I happen to have, um, I had some interviews to, to, uh, to work on Lovecraft Country and it didn't work out. And I, you know, I saw the pilot and I think on some level the show is not for me. Like it's not, like I'm not, I'm not big into horror. I'm not big into, you know, uh, the amount of gore of the show. I mean, I love the actors and I sort of cheer them on. I have a friend who's on the writing staff and, you know, I'm not saying that everything ought to be for everybody. Like I don't need to, I don't need to watch it, but it's different to say, that it shouldn't be made. Like, I feel, I feel like those are two different right. arguments, right? right. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Not, you know, I'm not going to eat every food at every restaurant. That doesn't mean I should have restaurants. But on my behalf, restaurants ought to be shut down. You know, that's a different Exactly. I think uh, I, that's, I, a, that's, a perfect, that's a perfect analogy. It is. And I think to your point um, of the importance of why it, you know, shows are made is I have a, had a friend, um, kind of from like the Ventura County area, lives in Thousand Oaks, um, lived a very white sheltered life. And until she watched the watch, um, until she watched Watchmen on HBO, mm-hmm. had no knowledge of like the whole Tulsa massacres right. in Oklahoma. Like, yeah. like she, she said, like, I had, I had no idea. Like it wasn't taught in school. I, I didn't know yeah. about it until I watched the show. Which like for yeah. us as a people, we're like, I like oh yeah yeah like you're from new york ryan's from louisiana i'm from texas like all of no matter where we're from like we all we all know 
But for her, she was like, I had no clue. And then I did like research and it just really opened my eyes. And um, so I think to that point, like it is the importance of this, the stories being told is, in, is important because it does shed the light on things that if, if you're not a person of color or if you're not black, that you may, you may not know. Like if you're living a very sheltered, closed off, you know, world and from a white lens, you may not know um, until you watch something in pop culture. Yeah, and I think that's part of the magic of, of the entire entertainment space, whether it's theater or film or, you know, even music. It's like if you, you know, if you live in some small town somewhere and you haven't traveled, you know, you can, you know, go to the movies or go on Netflix and you can, you know, in effect, like take a trip to China, take a trip to Africa, take a trip to, you know, you can go any number of places and see things and, and, and people and experience things that you haven't experienced before. I feel like that's, you know, it's really important that we're doing that because I, I feel like ultimately that's the space that allows us hopefully to talk to each other, you know, recognizing how, how, how connected we are even, even with our differences, that to me, that builds empathy. And that's what, that's kind of what it's, what, you know, being on the planet is all about. Um, yeah, I, 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 I agree a hundred percent with you. Um, something that, that Ryan and I have been very interested to see how it unfolds is the whole premium video on demand, like that landscape, we, we saw it with Mulan being released to Disney Plus, you know, for $30. Um, obviously with, you know, COVID and the whole pandemic going on. Do you feel like, like that is potentially here to, to stay? Um, I know I was kind of like looking, there were some you know, less than excited people about like the box office numbers that tenant brought in but I'm like we're in a pandemic so like why is any of this surprising but do you feel like the premium video on demand industry or what have you is here to stay and can 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 truly revolutionize um the entertainment industry yeah I mean you know again like I'm not this is sort of not the the, the corner my the corner of my expertise but I do think that you know, for all of the companies, you know, I, I currently, the show that I'm on is, is produced by Warner Brothers, you know, and so, you know, every one of these companies is, is a big corporation. And the question becomes, you know, what is the corporation, what are they looking to do? You know, because as I've, you know, they've been saying uh, in stuff I've been reading and hearing, obviously, when you have a Mulan, when you have a Hamilton, when you have, when you have these shows that can theoretically for your company bring in a lot of money, you are probably gonna bring in less money if you're, you know, if somebody's paying a streaming fee to watch it at home. Because, you know, if they're, if they're watching with a whole family, a family of five, then they're paying $30 for five people to see the movie. Mm -hmm you know, yeah. as opposed to going to the movie and paying one, you know, paying a different admission price for each person and then also having to buy popcorn and all that stuff. So, so financially, I think that those movie companies are going to want to, and I think also filmmakers who are really interested, you know, in, in seeing their work on the big screen, you know, on these big prints and with an audience, you know, that's one of the things I think is, is actually really interesting, not only financially, but also, 
culture wise, you know, and you guys can relate to this, you know, given, given the fact that, uh, you know, the NFL is starting up today, actually, right? It's like, yep. there, there's, there's, there's this whole audience participation space, you know, whether it's sports or concerts or theater, that is like nothing else. Mm. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a, like most writers, I'm a huge introvert and I kind of love, like this part of me that kind of loves the whole lockdown thing. You know, and I really get into it. And my writer's room is on Zoom and, you know, I just don't have to go anywhere. But, but there is something about sitting next to somebody and hearing laughter or hearing, I mean, that's one of the challenges, I think, of being a TV writer, as much as I love TV and as I love being a TV writer, is there's almost no direct contact with the audience. It's one mm. of the reasons why I love to tweet so much because it's the only connection the only way that I'll hear from random people about this episode or that episode, because I don't get to sit on any, in anybody's home and see how they respond to that scene that we sweated over in the writer's room or that joke oh, that, or that character or that turn or that we decided to kill this person and how did people respond? The only way I can find out is, you know, is social media. So I don't think that live theater or movies with people in the audience, I don't think that's going to go away. It might shift a little bit, but it's yeah. still such a unique experience that I just don't think it's going to disappear forever. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I've, I've tweeted uh, a couple of weeks back, like just in the middle of the pandemic, I just like, I could, I would like pay big money just to go sit in a theater with a big pile of, you know, a big pile of popcorn and just, yeah. Watch a movie and not worry about, you know, COVID-19 or anything like that. Just enjoy a movie. It could be any movie. I don't care what it is. Michael Bay movie, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> just sit back and enjoy it. Because that experience is just, I don't know. I, I guess it's nothing just, like just it. nothing. nothing like it. It's nothing like it. I wanted to ask you, uh, like, what's the writing process like? Because uh, one of my favorite shows of all time, The Wire, mm. uh, I, you know, I've listened to a lot of those guys talk about their writing process. And I just imagine trying to interconnect all these different characters and, you know, for shows that, you know, go on for so many episodes and seasons. I mean, what is that like? That has to be one of the most chaotic things ever. I don't know how you even come to do that. Uh, yeah, it depends. I think it depends on who you're working for. It's certainly, it's certainly a puzzle. So, you know, I think obviously you, you know, one of the great things about writing anything uh, is that you get to, you know, you got you to gotta have the 30,000 foot view and then you got to have like the ground view, you know, so you, so theoretically at least, you know, whatever you're writing, you do some sort of outline that tells you, okay, here's, these are the characters, here's what we're going to move through, these are the character arcs, these are what's going to happen emotionally you know, and, and like, here are some of the moments, you know, and then, then you got to sort of go down to the, to the moment by moment and figure out what comes next and what comes after that and who says what and where are the jokes and like, you got to do all those things if you're writing by yourself. If you're writing with a group, you got to do those same things, but the sort of the biggest question becomes like, what's the order of those things, you know, like, uh, because if I'm writing something by myself, I get to decide the order. I get to say, oh, I'm going to do an outline. 
I'm going to do half of an outline and then I'm going to write a scene or I'm not going to do an outline and I'm just going to write scenes or I'm going to start with dialogue or, you know, I get to kind of decide and, and just keep going until I feel like I've built something that actually works in some sort of dramatic way. So the trick is in a writer's room when you're writing with like 10 people, you know, it's kind of all about who's, you know, who's the one who's steering the boat. You know, who's the, because whoever the showrunner, the person, the creator or the person who's running the writer's room that day, like they're going to, whoever that is, they're going to decide, okay, we're going to talk about, let's talk about the, you know, the season. Let's talk about all 13 episodes or 22 episodes, or let's talk about where we're going and where the lead character is going to end up in episode 23 or whatever it is, you know, and then, all right, now let's focus on episode one and talk about blah, blah, blah. So they're going to guide in terms of, you know, how, you know, whether we're doing the, the bird's eye view or whether we're doing the view on the ground, you know, and then once we know, once the showrunner says, okay, this is say like the wedding episode, then we as a group, we sort of go into this space that feels, it's more organized than this, but it feels a little bit like charades because at some point the, that showrunner will then say, throw out some ideas about what might be, what we, you know, what, what might we use in this episode? You know, and the showrunner might say, I see a scene where this happens and this happens and this happens. And then other people might say, well, I, there's also, it could be a moment here and there could be a, you know, and we collect all these ideas. Like every, every writer's room that I've been in has done that. And then, and then from those ideas, you collect like say 10 or 20 ideas. Then the showrunner, you know, again, this person who's driving the boat, or steering the boat will say, I like these three ideas or these five ideas. Let's throw everything else out and let's focus on how we can build these five stories. And then you just, you know, go one story, one story at a time, again, sort of figuring out, okay, if, if this is going to happen, then what needs to happen next? And everybody chimes in, the showrunner's like, I like this idea, let's do that. Let's create a scene that says this and let's put a, a card on a whiteboard that says that. And then you know, so you keep doing that until you have a bunch of storylines and then you eventually kind of shuffle those around, especially if you're on broadcast TV, you're shuffling those around so that the, some of the juiciest cliffhangery scenes come before the commercial break. You know, so it's sort of like in that way, it's like a big puzzle. Uh, and then at some point after the room as a whole has done what we call breaking story and arranging all of those ideas in some shape, then a single writer will go off and write an outline or, you know, a story area, which is like a shorter version of the outline. And then those get approved by the, you know, the, the, the studio, which is a studio slash production company. They're the people who are paying for it, you know, so, so you'll get, so for example, on Stargirl, we are, uh, there, there are, we have notes calls with, Warner Brothers executives. We have notes calls with the Berlanti company, which also produces the show. So we have one notes call where they'll chime in on the outline of the story area or whatever. And then we'll, then whoever the writer is will fix or change things based on those notes and then give, give that document to the network. And then the network will chime in with their notes, you know, and the showrunner will decide which notes will, you know, will honor and what things will change. And then that writer will do those changes. And, you know, so you're doing that like all season long for perhaps a story area document, the short document. It's like, you know, 
maybe three to five to 10 pages, depending, an outline, which is like 15 pages, and then eventually a script, which is somewhere around 45 to 50 pages, you know, and you just keep doing that. It's just like that kind of almost factory, like, you know, and, and while, the, while the one writer is moving on to script, the other writers go back and start doing the same thing for the next episode, and you just keep going. That sounds like a very, I think you said factory worker, but I think, which it, that makes sense, but also <laughs> it makes it sound a lot easier than <laughs> what, like what I'm envisioning. Uh, uh, you brought up um, Greg uh, Berlanti yeah. and anyone who, uh, you know, is a fan of the, the DC um, TV universe that he's created. Um, it's, it's interesting, just just quick side note. Um, you know, I, I was a big fan of Flash and, and Arrow and, and that. And, you know, he's just, you know, Supergirl, he's pumping out, you know, all these, D, you know, DC shows. And I was randomly watching a couple of episodes of Dawson's Creek, just kind of reminiscing. And lo and behold, who do I see who was a writer on Dawson's yeah, Creek? That's right. <laughs> And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is all making sense now. Um, yeah, that's right. I mean, there yeah. are certain people who are like him, you know, Shonda Rhimes, Ryan Murphy, J.J. Abrams, you know, Damon Lindelof, who like are able to, John Ridley, who I've worked for, you know, are able to kind of create these, these different shows and be, you know, John Ridley used to be, um, before he was doing what he's doing now. He was a comedy writer. He was on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He was on the Wanda Sykes show. It's like, you know, you, there are all of these different incarnations of what these writers do. And uh, yeah, and, and um, Greg Berlanti also produced uh, God Friended Me, which was the, the, the last show I was on. So his reach is far and wide. Oh, without question, without question. Um, one of the last questions I had for you is, Obviously, we're still in a pandemic. I know some people are acting like it, it, it's over, but we're obviously we're still in a pandemic. Um, but I keep reading and seeing like on Twitter, like such and such show is going to start, you know, productions again. And, you know, right before, um, you know, Rob, Robert Pattinson, you know, tests positive for COVID, like, you know, the Batman was, was restarting production. So I just wanted to know, what are, what is your feelings about production starting back up um, in the industry? You know, at, you know, as a pandemic is still happening, and do you feel like the industry is doing enough to ensure that everyone on set um, is safe? Yeah, that's an excellent question, and I think a really important one. Um, look, I have to say that I think it is really important that I mean one of the things you know, that I know both from being an actor on sets and a writer on sets is that, you know, you can imagine uh, being on location or being, being in a sound stage or, or on location uh, for a film or a TV show is just, it's a ton of people working together in very close quarters usually. You know, there are makeup people, there are lighting people, there are sound people, there's cameramen, there are actors, uh, there are costume people, you know, it's just, it's a ton of people. And, you know, given the fact that we 
you know, that this, this disease, you know, thrives in, you know, in, in spaces where lots of humans are gathering, it makes a lot of sense that we have to be really careful about how we do this and how, you know, how we sort of return to the space of production. Um, you know, I, I had a, I, there was a moment when I almost took a job on a show where part of the assignment, part of the job, part of the offer was that I would have to go and be on set for a while, you know, for like several months, given, uh, you know, given the way they were doing production based on COVID. And I ended up not taking that job. And I think in a way, you know, I, I have to admit to, to being a little bit relieved that I didn't end up doing that because I, I do feel like, you know, I want to sort of see how things pan out before I have to sort of go back to set. And at the same time, I know, I know a bunch of people on a bunch of shows and shows are in production. I mean, it's, you know, it has been slow, but it's happening. You know, the TV series SWAT, uh, I know one of the creators of, and I have a friend who's on it. That show's been shooting for uh, maybe a month at this point. Uh, I know that, you know, Tyler Perry has been doing stuff down south with his own compound where he, you know, he basically sequesters people and everybody sort of, you know, they're all sort of in his space and he's doing, you know, COVID tests and temperature checks and, and they, he does this remarkable thing. I don't know if you've heard about this or read about it, but he, he, he'll shoot an entire season of a show in two weeks, which is kind of unheard of. And they already, <laughs> they've, they've already wrapped uh, one of his show's sisters was the first one that they did. And they, you know, they did it in two weeks and they wrapped and it's in the can. And then they were doing The Oval, his other show. And that was starting several weeks ago. So I'm sure it's done now. Um, you know, so, so those things are happening. Uh, our show, Stargirl, goes into production next month in October. Uh, and, you know, there are constant meetings with the studio and the network to talk about um, you know, what the latest advances are being done or, or, you know, what those are. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that, and again, look, here's the thing. On some level, obviously we have to be careful and take care of like our actors are, you know, our bread and butter. So if the actors go down, you know, there, there will be huge delays, you know, like in the case of Robert Pattinson. Uh, and I think that, you know, people are have are deadly serious about it, about how to do it. And at the same time, there's lots of conversations with the Screen Actors Guild and the producers. And, you know, they're talking about one of the things that I've heard that they're talking about is these little um, sort of inside a soundstage, these little areas where people are only allowed to certain, you know, like, for example, the costume people can only be in a certain area. And then the, you know, the, you know, whatever it is, like the makeup people, you know, whatever, they have these sort of designated zones where the idea is that people have to stay within their zone and they can't just wander around the set the way one used to do before. Mm. Uh, you know, the, the food preparation is gonna be different. You know, you used to just be able to do cafeteria yeah. style and that's not happening. So, you know, I, I have hope. And, uh, and I think on some level we're in a, a wait and see, but I also think, I also think the industry is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a corp, it's, these are run by corporations. So the corporations, yeah. they want to get back to business because, yeah. you know, people want to watch their TV like you guys. So, 
uh, it's all happening. And I just, you know, hope and pray that it continues to happen in a safe way, you know, outside of the occasional moments and things that we hear about. Well, I, just, I guess I have one last question. You don't have to spend too much time on it, but, you know, I know uh, there's a plenty of people that try to get into acting, and obviously that's a daunting, <laughs> a daunting roll of the dice. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm really curious about writing. I know when I was a kid, when I was young, I, I had like three or four tablets full of uh, stories, and I would mm. say, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a movie writer. I'm going to be a TV writer. Yeah. I write all these stories and connect them and stuff like that. And I kind of okay, just fell we're off. Waiting. We're waiting, Ryan. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I, I wish I could find those notebooks. But <laughs> I always do wonder, like, if I ever did wanted to get back into it, like, where do you even start? Do you just write? And like, what, what? There is no. I guess you could go to writing school. I know you went to Juilliard and all that stuff, but. I mean, wh how do you even begin to approach the door, not even get in the door, but just approach the door to get into writing in movies and TV shows and all that stuff? Yeah, it's a great question. I think there are a couple of different things. You know, first of all, for better or worse, I think for better, we live in an age where you can find out anything anywhere. Like the internet is an amazing resource. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, there are all kinds of tutorials. You know, there's this whole... Um, you know, masterclass thing that that yeah. uh, that site, and there there are certainly writing tutorials on that site with you know famous people teaching. Uh, there are all kinds of books you can buy, like uh, Save the Cat, which is a famous, pretty famous screenwriting book, or um, you know, um, you know, there are a ton of them. So, I mean, I would say I would say that's part of the opportunity to like maybe get a really great book. And begin to follow the, you know, to follow the book toward figuring out how you create a character or create an outline or, you know, so that that I think is one of the things. There are also coaches, you know, one of the things that I do in addition to my writing and acting is I coach writers, you know, wow. and so, so um, you know, and that that website, just so people can check it out, is yourcreativelife.com. People can mm. go there and check it out. But there are there are a ton of people who teach you know, local colleges, uh, community colleges, as well as, you know, uh, four-year colleges teach um, classes. And I remember actually, before I went to drama school as a playwright, there was a, Warner Brothers actually was doing this pilot program at Morgan State University in Baltimore, where I was living at the time. And I did uh, two classes there with a curriculum that they had developed. I don't think they're doing that anymore. But I learned a ton about how to write TV long before I ever got paid to write for TV. So I think that's one of the things to do is, is definitely find some good instruction, a good book, practice, practice, practice. And then I think here's the other thing. We also live in an age where you can make stuff on your cell phone. You know, you can, yeah. make, you can, buy, you can buy a camera if you want, but there's no reason that anybody who's got real uh, interest can't sit down, create something, and put it on YouTube. You know, I made a web series several years ago, and it did, it did definitely did things for my career. People can do that. You know, I think that those are the things to do. Is like practice, make something, put it on YouTube, and then repeat. You know, wow. Just figure out That's how to point. figure out how to do it. 
I gotta go. I gotta yeah, I find mean, my tablets, man. <laughs> got to get on it, Ryan. I mean, you guys could. You, it's a natural that you could create the two of you if you wanted to. Could create a show about two guys creating a podcast. Like, there's a <laughs> there's a show idea. <laughs> that, that's that's not a bad that's not a bad idea. Um, so before we let you go, we we, we you know we talked about movies, TV. So I, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you all time. Favorite TV show, all-time favorite movie. Oh, my God. All-time favorite. I don't know. You can't do that to me. Um, <laughs> I, you know, uh, wow. I don't, I don't know. Like I, I know Ryan's favorite all-time show is The Wire. My, my, my all-time favorite show is, is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Wow. We, we, we just, we just got to know. That's not a very that's a wide spectrum. Like those are complete opposite. It is a wide spectrum. I'm trying to trying to think. All time favorite. Uh, look, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna name a handful of shows because I don't think I can do the all time favorite. I just can't. Okay. All right. So um, uh, let's see. Um, huge fan of uh, L.A. Law. Mm. Uh, huge fan, uh, more recently of, uh, Atlanta. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, huge fan of The Good Wife. Oh. So those three for TV shows. For movies, um, a huge fan of Boys in the Hood. All right. Rest uh, in peace, John Singleton. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of, um, I will say, uh, Monsters, Inc. Yeah, buddy. Right? And it's then, um, oh, yes, huge fan of, oh, I will say huge fan of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Okay. So there you go. Three and three. All right. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Monsters Inc. is that's that's one of my all time favorites. Legitimately, great, great movie. All time favorites. I, I haven't seen that. I gotta watch that. What? You haven't I seen have, it? I have not watched it. Wow. Well, you're in for a treat. It, it, All right. it's, a, it's a classic. Um, so we, <laughs> I, I think we covered a wide gamut yeah, of things. Uh, you know, so anyone who's listening to this, I, I'm sure you were more informed about the industry and entertainment. And pop culture in general before this episode um steve i we really appreciate you coming on uh you know gracing really us time. Time. Thank you for um and just just sharing your knowledge and just having an open conversation with us and we really appreciate it and i and i also want to thank you and and i and i feel like i feel like i shouldn't be thanking you for this but anytime we have someone on you know person of color who, who are black like just like ryan and i are and the fact that we can just have open conversation of just the, the realness of what the world is. And I, and I think we, we kind of talked about a little bit about like, you know, TV shows and showing history, but like it's, it's imperative for us to be honest in regards to what the world is going on, rather regardless of what our experiences at the end of the day, we're, we're black men living in America, whether we're in the entertainment industry, social services, it doesn't matter. We all have experiences of, of what this world with the lens that, this world it sees us as um and so just kind of just talking about it in an open form and and, and shining a light to it like I, I i appreciate that and i appreciate the candid and, and open conversation 
Absolutely. Yeah, thanks. I think it's, you know, I think it's imperative that we, we have open and honest conversations. I feel like that's the thing that's going to create the space for the kind of change that we need in the world. And I'm all about it. So I'm grateful to be here to do that uh, as well. Yes, sir. Thanks so much for coming on, Steve. Uh, I mean, hope potentially later down the line, uh, we can get you on again and, and just have maybe not so much a, a entertainment like walkthrough, but actually like talk about entertainment in terms of just shows and, and things like that. I think that would be great and, and, and fun for us to do as well. Cool. Yeah, that'd be great. Great to, great to do it. All right. So that, that's it, guys. That's another episode of Hashtag Saints Twitter Podcast. So we've given you two episodes within this week. We've given you the preview for week one for Buck Saints. Uh, we just had a conversation with Steve Harper, just going everything entertainment, pop culture related, um, football on Sunday. So say, say your prayers and cross your fingers. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, we'll be back next week to recap the game and, and, and see who else we can get on the show. So with that, we're out. Peace. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.